Hey guys, welcome back. Welcome back. It's episode 5,000 million. <laughs> We're on 118. If you are new here, welcome to the Heart and Hustle yes. podcast. I'm Angelica Yard. I am Charisma O'Keefe. And we're here every week on Thursdays now. Um, if you are listening to old episodes and we switched, uh, it's just because it's a new decade and we need a different day. And it really didn't matter now because we're all inside. But at that time, yeah. I had things I to do on Tuesdays. That was the day that <laughs> worked out best for our schedules. Now, it, we could record technically any day, but, you know. I, I like it on Wednesdays it. now. I do. Yeah. I'm like, it's it's nice. It's kind of, it's now my new routine because I really don't have too much work stuff on Wednesdays. I kind of keep it podcast yeah. only day. So mm-hmm. I don't want to change it now. <laughs> I've committed. It's, it's nice because it's my normal day because it's like the, the one, I can't really get into, you know, looking at the news or things like that on Wednesdays because it's like, well, I have this stuff that I really need to do and I need to get ready for it. So that's, you know, I always spend Wednesdays mostly just doing podcast stuff, which is nice. Oh, All yeah. right. We're back. So, speaking <laughs> of the virus, um, how was your week? And has anything changed from the last week for you personally? I aged. <laughs> <laughs> you did, though. Both not even in a joke metaphorically anymore. and physically. I am yeah. now, I'm like no longer the twi- in the 20s club. Like all of my friends are in their 30s. I was the last straggler. I am finally you thirty. You are a straggler girl, because, like you said later on in this podcast, all your friends are much older. Than you. <laughs> Not me. I'm just a little bit older than you, but your other friends are much. Older. A lot of my <laughs> friends are having their 40, 40th birthdays. Like I think we're in year three of like a group of friends turning forty, and so. Wow. Um, yeah, all my friends are older yeah. than me. I like older yeah. people. I don't, you know, that's that's but, my know, life. Like, it's relatable to me as well because, like, obviously my husband's older than me and he just had a birthday. And he just, he just turned 40. He's in that group. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, you know, it's relatable. Um, you Yeah, you're you're the straggler. You were the last one. Like, I, I think you are probably one of my, like, my only good, good friend who is in their was in their 20s yes um so i guess i i can give some feedback about how to celebrate milestones in covid really quickly just because i know people are stressed about that um not being able to do things they used to do um i knew probably towards the middle end of february that i was not going to be able to do anything just because of the way the news was going and by i'm going back in some of old files in a in Reich and updating some of the tasks that I've done for a client. And it was around March 9th that we kind of stopped doing regular stuff and switched to COVID mode. So I've kind of known for at least the past month, but definitely in February, I was thinking, oh, well, it'd be different. And so I knew definitely by the first week of March, we weren't doing anything. We weren't going to a restaurant. We weren't going to get drinks. We weren't going to party or whatever. So I, um, I think mentally just take care of your brain and know that you can still do other things. Like um, my husband orchestrated a video with my other friend and had a bunch of people seeing clips and charisma sent one and a bunch of other friends. That was the hardest part for me. 
hardest thing to record ever. Like I thought I was like, oh yeah, no big deal. And then I went in to go record it and I was like, oh, this is really challenging. <laughs> <laughs> you would not know that I have a podcast that I speak on every week because it's it, it, like, it was so hard. Like finally I just gave up and I was like, I'm just going to send this one. I hope I don't look like a fool. It is what it is. But it was just, it was No, hard. it was fine. No, and my sister, well, my mom, my grandma, and my, my, my pup niece, uh, like a lot of people, a lot of friends, like, and I think people, yeah. And so, um, that, I think that's a way if you have a friend or you want to do it, send them a video. I'm doing, my daughter's doing one for her friend that turns four this week. Like it's kind of become the new wave of doing kind of a video. Of, like you have that forever. Like, yeah. Things, like come and go and you don't even like fully remember them. I mean, obviously this one you would because it is the 30th and it's a milestone, but you know, a lot of times it's just like, you know, it's like another year you have a lot of things going on whatever. And with this, it's like, you literally have like this awesome memento of all these people who love you and care about you all telling you that on video, which is great. Yeah. Like, even if we weren't in the middle of all this. Also like, AKA I'm morbid. I play my funeral all the time. This is good funeral content. <laughs> Let me tell you <laughs> the testimonials in case I do pass away unexpectedly this year. We're playing that video. It's going live okay. and everybody's going to be sad about it probably in the Zoom funeral because we probably still won't be able to get together. But let me tell you, it's primo funeral content if you're a morbid person like I am. But um, <laughs> no, seriously, uh, just have your expectations. You're okay to mourn things. I didn't, I wasn't super sad about not having to do anything because I was stressed about having to do something. But if you were really looking, it's okay to mourn it. It's okay to be upset that you weren't able to do the thing you weren't able to do. Yeah. Um, make the best of it. Do what you want to do. It's your day. Like do what you got to do. Like if you're, you have kids at home, be like, Hey, you're going to your room and you're gonna watch these. I'm gonna watch one movie that I like, or I like, I'm going to make a drink that I like, or I'm going to party. I'm going to listen to music. I was lucky enough that I did miss it when it was happening. Cause I'm old and I go to bed early. I don't care how old I am. I'm always going to bed early, but Lil John and T-Pain did a live on my yeah. birthday on 404 day, you guys. And being from, those are my people. That's my music. Like yeah. Lil John is the music of my like high school. T-Pain is the music of like my twenties. Yeah. And I went back and listened to it. And I was like, I could, I had them at my birthday. They played my birthdays. So I had the best yeah. birthday <laughs> music. So it was good. It was a good like time. So I, yeah, I just like find something that you really like to do and do it for yourself and and don't take it too seriously and you can always do this later like you can redo it like nobody's gonna be yes. like oh you turned 30 last year like if i want to throw a big 30th birthday party next year when i'm 31 no one will be mad about it <laughs> not at all i think we'll welcome it so much you know um yeah um, and on the flip side like for like i don't have anything to celebrate but like you know i celebrated john's birthday and then like you know david like celebrating yours so like if you're the person that's supposed to be like creating yeah. you know, the birthday magic for someone else, like just try to be creative. Like know that honestly, most of us are doing a lot of the same stuff every day. So anything you do that's out of the norm is going to be like a really big deal. Um, so, you know, like the video was such an ingenious idea because like, you're not expecting that to see all these people's faces at all. Like, it just, just kept just going. It was 12 faces. minutes long. Like, <laughs> I was like, there are more people. Who are these yeah, people? well and i know like that the way to his heart is like food and like 80s movies and so it was just kind of like hey let's watch whatever you want to watch and i won't complain about it and i'll make you tons of food and i'll make you cake and whatever 
and you know he had a really great day and again we ended up like adopting our dog a little bit before his birthday so he could have her like during this time and that was not like we knew we were going to get a dog but we were, it was you know supposed to be like a little bit later on uh probably like fall or winter but you know you pivot to make things work to the current climate so just try your best i was freaking out on the day of like i won't even lie to you there was a point i'm trying to think like he must have been taking her for a walk and i think i was baking his cakes and I like leaned over the oven and I had to like stop myself from crying because I was just like, this isn't what I wanted his 40th birthday to yeah. be about. Yeah. Know? But then I was like, pull it together because like it seems like he's having a good day and like don't like don't be crying on his birthday <laughs> because it's like what you thought his birthday was supposed to be. And at the end of the day, I was like, you know, did you have a good day? And he's like, I had the best day. And like he's been saying that honestly a lot of days because he's just really happy. Yeah. Get an itinerary together. Yeah. Like we're going to save for this trip. We're going to, you know, start putting some of these details together. So you can always plan, even like if it's a tattoo, whatever, like plan for the future for something. If there's nothing you can do in the moment, that's like super exciting to celebrate. Yes. Um, and another tip for travelers. I know I get it. Travel, uh, bug is real. A lot of my friends have been posting just pictures of their old travels, like once a day or once a week. So that's something that you can do to appreciate the world from yeah. where you are is to be like, oh, I had such a good time at this place. This was my favorite little spot in Italy or this is my favorite little spot in Tokyo. So that's something else that you could do as well to kind of itch your travel bug. Because I get, I understand. I was definitely trying to get to New York for my birthday. And uh, I don't even know when the next time I can go to New York. And it's truly one of my favorite places in the world. I'm very sad about it. So... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's it's rough, but we're doing good. We've aged. Work is still going. Um, school still going. Kids, uh, they'll have a Zoom call this week. Apparently, the teachers are starting to FaceTime. So, okay. yeah, you know who wants a bunch of five year olds on Zoom? Not I, but I guess we're doing <laughs> it. <laughs> I guess we're doing um, it. Yeah, that's what my niece Ava is doing as well. She has two like zoom check-in the week yeah and i think that's that's more than enough truly (laughs) yeah i'm like i don't i don't know how that all works but i mean we did we called them yesterday on video chat and they read they each read a book to us so that was really cute yeah um we have marco polo and so i i used to do this when i was traveling and my friend um just social distance dropped off my birthday gift and uh i saw a few kids and we were talking about doing mark letting the kids do marco polo videos on their yeah, own. I remember when, like, everybody was really into that for a little bit, and that was really cute. Yeah, because then they can do it on their own time, and then you can watch it on your own time. And kids talk about, no- like, her, because my daughter came down to see her friend, and, and they talked about nothing just now for, like, 20 minutes. I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't know. They're, they're writing on legs. You, like, you I don't. Put it on, like, you can just, like, put it on, like, an iPad, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my daughter has an iPad, and so it's easy for her to be like, That's okay. Great because then you don't have to worry about a kid, like, having your phone and accessing other things, and you don't have to worry about, like, Zoom where they can, like, have it hacked right whatever, right you know? marco so that's polo definitely like a much safer option for parents yeah and we've stuff. done it before when they've been traveling because they do really long trips they do like a month at a time when they do their big trips um so that's the way they would keep in touch the little best friends talking via video on their own time so i that's my other tip for parents is marco polo if your kid has a friend that they really miss because then it's not 
like you I feel like my schedule is so different than her schedule and then some of my other friends have really different schedules so that way the kids can do it on their own time and it can be on your own schedule without the pressure of like okay we let's FaceTime at 7 30 oh no their bedtime's at 7 30 bath you know what I mean it's a yeah. lot to to manage when you're trying to manage everyone else's schedules so just so even though everything is interesting right now and a little bit on fire I definitely want to talk about the 100 day project yes I feel like it's something that again not it's not going to be for everyone right now and I completely get that but for those who are you know have the extra time on their hand or just looking for like not even just a challenge it doesn't have to be super challenging it can be like easy but just kind of something to like kind of get through this time it's something that happens every year but I think that this year it's going to reach a lot of new people and like be really helpful for what we're going through so I'll let you talk more about it because you've actually done it before I did. Yeah, I did it when L Luna was kind of managing it. And um, it's basically a 100-day challenge for you to create something, do something for 100 days. And the idea is to showcase it to the world. This is where I had a problem the second time because I got tired of social media. So <laughs> I'm yeah. working that out because I am going to do it this year. Um, but it's really just to do something on your own, to create something on your own space and do it for yourself. Like you don't have to share it with the world necessarily. You don't have to be vocal about what you're doing. You, you don't have to draw. You don't have to paint. You can do literally anything. Like I've had friends do a hundred days of workout, uh, workouts. My friend is doing one about her using her microscope and taking pictures of some organisms and things for a hundred days, which are really cool. Um, video singing, it's not writing. It's a hundred days of whatever you want. So I definitely say, check it out. Um, the person who's facilitating this year is Lindsay jean thompson and i'll post a link to her instagram and then the official 100 day instagram that she created where you can see kind of what everybody's doing and the community is real helpful because everybody kind of cheers each other's on and using the hashtag um 100 day project so yeah and i'm gonna go ahead and like throw up an instagram in our feed uh after this uh, just talking about like what we're each going to do for the project and just reach out to you guys if you want to comment and let us know what you're doing so that we can kind of like check that out as well. If you've been following for a while, then you may remember the last yeah. time Rosa did it um, and it was oh, super awesome and she made all of these like gorgeous like prints that actually not prints, but what would you call it? Like, I mean, they were they were just like watercolor type artwork but they were various sizes some as yeah. small as like 8 by 10 some as big as like 18 by 24 um but it was it was fun I feel like I had fun because I was in a space to share I feel like this the second time I tried to do it it was black and white uh, or just black ink on cardboard because I had a bunch left over from the shop and I needed to I didn't want to spend money on something like I spent a lot of money on that watercolor stuff and I didn't want to spend yeah. a ton of money and resources I wanted to be more eco-friendly um but I also stopped sharing on Instagram so that's that's what happened with that <laughs> so if you go to my Instagram right now that's where I stopped and that's probably the last time I posted on Instagram was in the middle of that challenge something visual again yes yes um so I'm getting the resources that I have in my house figuring out what I'm gonna do it's probably gonna be lettering or or something using pens not I still have paint but I don't I don't know I'm figuring out what to do with this paint because I still have it it's two yeah. years old um but I probably markers because I have a bunch of markers that I haven't used that a friend did you buy either you or another friend bought me <laughs> in the past two years that I've not used on anything 
Um, and I need to use them. And they're know, very colorful. I also have like other art supplies, so I should take photos of what I have. And if you need anything, I can drop it off at your house because like I'm not gonna use it. So. So yeah, I'm just trying to use what I have. Like when we were moving, I realized I have so much paper and so much stuff and it's helpful because i do like homeschooling i've used a ton yeah, of it already like, I, like, I use it for stuff when i do stuff with the kids but it's like i mean like i love to create visually but that's not at all my medium like when i do it it's always just 100 like this is fun like i'm not like i'm not really trying to grow with it if that makes sense yeah um so i will paint and i will color and all you know all these different things but like it's not something that i'm like trying to like skill build with so i have a lot of supplies to have fun with it and then to have the kids over and have fun with it but yeah i'm like i'm, I'm probably not going to use it because i feel like there's so much going on at the moment um that i'm trying to do other things i'm gonna write for mine because i feel like that kind of makes sense because it's something that i've been talking about here on the podcast like if i'm gonna write this book this would kind of be the ideal time to like buckle down I've never I've never written for this particular novel for 100 days straight like I'll get into it and write for like two weeks and then I won't write again for like a month and then I'll come back and write for a week and then I won't write for like three months and like so it kind of goes on and on like that um so I, I feel like writing consistently for 100 days would be you know that would be like big I, I haven't even thought of a word count yet I'm not sure if I'm gonna like make a goal of one or just make a goal to work on it daily. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like uh, as some because it's a hundred days and it doesn't sound like a long time. And once you're done, it, it's it feels like it wasn't, but it is when you're doing yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> so like some days, I think it might be just like you know writing maybe more details about a particular character and like just flushing yeah. out that character. Something that's not even going to be in the novel per right. se but just me knowing that character 100%. And then other days it might be like writing an actual chapter. So I think that I'll, I'll kind of give myself leeway with like how many words per se, but it will be like the focus will be to write every day for the novel. Like yeah. pushing it forward and, and, and that sort of thing. So I'm excited because like now I have like, I have to check in online. So that's very helpful to me. Ooh. People will be watching and that makes it like a lot easier for me to actually get it done. Yeah, so we'll. That's what we're doing. That's our our next plan. Our interview is very um, lengthy, but it's good. So I don't yeah, want to talk really too much. It's really good. It's really informative. We're speaking to like a professional today. Like she really knows her stuff, and um, she's a therapist. So what better time to be talking to a therapist? Yeah, right? and her messaging also coincides a lot with what Amber was saying last week. So if you, I do recommend going back last week listening to Amber's interview because they have very similar points and yeah. we didn't plan this. That's just how the universe aligns. So, mm -hmm. uh, well, and, and totally. because they, uh, you know, they kind of spread our message, but in a more professional way. <laughs> As you just noted, they're like, and yes, professional sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we will be back next week. Uh, stay safe, wash your hands, cover your face, order groceries if you can, if you can't, Go pick them up safely, deliver them to the elderly, reach out to your friends, all and the buy things. buy gift cards for your favorite restaurant. Yeah, yesterday was 407 day. So yeah. yeah, try to support local, shop local when you can, but also be smart, be safe. Uh, it does seem like we're making some impact on the curve. It's really early, so I can't tell, but there were some numbers this morning that were a little positive, so... Don't take it for granted. Keep doing what you're doing. Stay at home until we're allowed to go back outside. And get some sleep and stay hydrated. Stay hydrated. All right, guys. Bye. Bye.
Welcome back. We have Cindy Fabico here with us, and we are so excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks for reaching out and wanting to be a part of it. But for those of us who aren't familiar with your work and what you do, just give us a little intro on yourself and everything that you're doing in the community right now. Sure. So, um, so my name is Cindy Fabico. I'm a licensed mental health counselor, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'm the founder of Life Skills Resource Group, which is sort of a, a compendium of, of different therapists who are serving different needs. So we have 12 therapists and a couple life coaches. And we've been in business since I think I started in 2007 in the Dr. Phillips area. And so I kind of see myself as a mix between a therapist and an authenticity coach. That's sort of a, a word that I've kind of created for myself. And then lately, I've added a couple more tools to my toolbox which are doing um, doing yoga. I mean, I've been a yo- I've been doing yoga for years, but I started um, becoming a yoga instructor, and then also organizing meetups um, to help people sort of connect with other people who are interested in the things that they're interested in, and a whole bunch of other reasons. But we probably will get into that a little bit later. So I think that that pretty much answers that question. I mean, I think if I was gonna do a little elevator speech, I would say that I help others identify their strengths, understand their blind spots, and move from just surviving to thriving. That would be my elevator speech for what I do. I love that, and I think it's so important to have that like elevator pitch you know, ready. A lot of entrepreneurs don't have that, especially newer ones. Definitely a good thing to have. Also, I love that you work in Dr. Phillips because that's like my, kind of feels like my hometown. That's where my grandparents lived when I was growing up. So I just really love that community. I love that you serve that community. That's amazing. Oh, thank you. I love, I love, I don't live there anymore, but that's where I raised my kids. Yes. Yeah. That's how I feel. Like I don't live there anymore either. I have moved back twice just because it's like, I can't escape it. But like, even though I don't live there, like I go to the gym that's like used to be Gold's gym. That's like right there in the corner. I go to like Whole Foods there. I go to Trader Joe's. Like I find any excuse to be in that area. I go to the library there still. It's comforting to you. It it calms the nervous system and makes you feel at home so yeah it really does like I live in celebration and I love celebration but like Dr. Phillips is definitely like what I think of as like home you know yes absolutely so I love that you own this amazing practice and like like I said in Dr. Phillips that's fantastic um what made you decide that you wanted to own a practice instead of just like practicing what you do without owning and then what advice would you give to others who are looking to maybe follow a similar career path Okay, well, that's a, that's, a, that's a lot of stuff, and so let me start out by saying, you know, when I was thinking about the answer to that, and as, as you were talking, I started to think about, I don't know that I ever consciously early on said, like when I went to graduate school, I went to graduate school when I was 39. I don't think I ever thought, well, I wanna own a practice. I don't even think I ever thought I wanna be my own boss. But when I look back, I realize, so my parents are entrepreneurs. And so I have that model, even though it's subconscious, I have that model of working for yourself sort of in my mind. And so when I finished graduate school, I worked as, uh, I worked for Hospice of the Comforter. So I was a patient and family counselor. So I went to people's homes um, while they were going through the dying process. And I served both the patients and their families helping them talk about 
the things that were going on for them, what was difficult. And I really enjoyed that. But at the same time, I did work in somebody else's private practice. And that was great, except for that entrepreneurial spirit started, started rearing its ugly head. I wouldn't say ugly, but started rearing its head. But you know, there's this part of us that kind of tries to tell us, oh, you can't do that. Who would you think you are that you could do that? And I remember for a really long time, so here's, here I was, I was had kids who were in high school, I was working for Hospice the Comforter full-time, and I was going and doing a private practice. So my life was very chaotic. I just never felt like I could catch a breath. And so I started saying, well, it wouldn't be great to open a private practice, but then all the doubt and all the fear, you know, comes rushing in. And these are all the reasons that I can't do that. And I tell this story a lot because I think it's, it's really interesting about mindset. So one day a client was talking to me about the law of attraction and you know, had just read The Secret. And I, w I didn't know what that was. I was still sort of in my infancy of, of knowledge of those kind of things. And so I, uh, I went home and I checked it out. And again, it was unconscious. I did not plan this, but all of a sudden, like the next day, I woke up and I was like, you know what? Let me go talk to somebody about renting a space. And it just happened overnight. Things have seemed to happen for me like this. Once I set my mind to something, things sort of like fall in place. So I went and uh, rented a space. I got the furniture. I had everything up and running literally within a month. I had a, I had a bunch of therapists there who wanted to work with me. It, it's kind of when I look back, I am kind of shocked that it all happened so quickly. So that's kind of how I started. Now, why as a therapist, now that I'm doing it, why do I think it's a benefit to me to uh, be running my own practice? I mean, for a number of reasons, but primarily because I get to serve the population that I'm interested in working with. I get to invite other people to join so that we have a multidisciplinary group of people. And so for instance, if I'm seeing uh, a couple I have colleagues in my office who I can suggest. I, I also ethically have to suggest other people, but colleagues within my office that I can suggest who I know a lot about. I know how they work. I know, I know why they would be a good match for that particular person or family. So that, yeah, that's kind of, kind of why I like having my own practice. But then of course there's the other benefit, which is that I don't have to answer to anybody mm -hmm. <laughs> except for right now my landlord, but that's a whole nother story. But, <laughs> so I don't have to answer to anybody. I get to choose what hours I work. I get to choose what population I see. I get to choose how much money I charge. So all those things are within my control and my power. And I realized that having some control over my life, even though we can't really be in control, but having to, being able to make choices, that sort of move me in the direction I want to go in is really important to me. Really, really important. In fact, sometimes I think, I don't even think I could work for somebody else at this point because I'm just so used to yeah. doing that. So, so anyway, so that's a little bit about uh, why I, I started a private practice. Are there other questions that you have regarding that or do you want to move on to the other question? Well, yeah, I'd love to know, like, what advice you give to others who are looking, like, to kind of do that same thing, to, like, own a practice 
and to also be practicing. Because I think a lot of times, like, and this goes for, you know, so many different uh, career paths. Somebody will be doing something, and then when they get to the top, they're not doing it anymore, and they kind of miss out on, like, the actual practice of doing the, the discipline that they enjoyed in the first place. You know what I mean? Oh, so in other words, what you're talking about is so someone who, like, take me for example, started a practice. Yeah. More of an administrator. Mm-hmm. And then not be able to do. Well, so the advice um, that I would give somebody who wants to start a mental health practice or basically any kind of practice is first to sort of get a manifestation mindset, right? That mindset that says, I can make this happen. It's going to happen. It's already happened. So having that kind of mindset. And then to be able to identify, like as a therapist, so a therapist is a therapist, but what's your particular brand? Like what do you offer and why do people need it? Really knowing that because, you know, the therapy market is, well, it's flooded. And um, going to school for mental health counseling and marriage and family therapy has become one of the most popular degrees right now. And so there's there's a lot of people out there um, working in this field and wanting to have private practices. And guess what? I believe in abundance. So I don't really feel like anybody's my competition, but I do feel like I have to sort of set myself apart. And so that's what I think people need to do. They need to set themselves apart. They need to really know who is my audience? Who am I trying to serve? Can they afford what I need to make to actually do this business? Right, like really, like putting together some sort of a business plan that talks, you know, that talks about like, well, this is this is how much my rent is, and this is how much revenue I expect to, you know, all those things seem basic, but you'd be surprised how many people go into business without actually thinking about those things. So after identifying your audience, then finding a way to connect with the audience is really important. So obviously having a good website is, is really key. But for me now, I think social media is also a big, a big part. It's, you know, I'm kind of behind the learning curve on all of that, but I'm trying to catch up and it's, it's a lot. (laughs) It's a, it's a little overwhelming sometimes. And then there's always a brand new thing um, coming up. But also as a, as a therapist and somebody in private practice, the importance of continuing to learn, which means investing in your craft. So, you know, when you finish graduate school, you have a basic idea of how to listen to somebody, how to do reflective listening, how to tune into people, and a little basic idea, information about this is what marriage counseling is, and this is what you know a personality disorder is, and this is what depression is. So you have a basic framework for that. But then when you leave graduate school, there's all these modalities and all these all this training and all these things that you can add and continue it to sort of deepen your abilities. So I think anybody who's going to do a private practice really needs to be willing to invest in continuing to learn. Also, just because ethically, right? If you're having people come in and you're not aware of the most recent, um, you know, research and information, then you're not always going to be able to serve your audience or your or your clients in the best way. So I think also connecting with other therapists. I feel like I try to really I have therapists within my practice, but I also try to connect with other therapists to kind of find out what they're doing to network, um, to share, you know, thoughts and ideas. 
and you know the other thing is just always being ready to like pivot to like figure out okay so this isn't working what do I need to do not allowing myself to become discouraged or not you know not getting discouraged because doing your own business is hard work and mm-hmm. it, it's um, it takes more than just the inspiration it takes the follow-through on that inspiration one of the things that I, I say it's like being an entrepreneur is right really not for perfectionists <laughs> because because you have to be willing to just kind of punt and like see if this will land and I think when somebody's a perfectionist they feel like they have to do it right the first time and oh boy I've made so many mistakes along the way and you know what it's okay because I learned from them so I, does that does that kind of answer what you were asking? Definitely, yes. I feel like you hit so many amazing points, especially I love, you know, how you basically say, like, you know, if you want to be an expert, you have to continue learning. I yeah. think a lot of people kind of get in their head like, oh, well, I'm, you know, the best now. I'm the top, so, like, there's nothing else for me to learn. And I'm like, no, like, all industries are constantly growing. So if you really want to truly be, like, the best version of yourself, like, you have to keep learning. And also the perfectionism thing, like, man, I 100% agree. <laughs> I wish that I knew that going into business. Like, I went into business as a 21-year-old, and I had no idea. Like, I was that person you were talking about that, like, had no plan and, like, didn't know financial I was boss. <laughs> I, I, I was so lost, and I was such a perfectionist for a long time. Like, probably, like, at least the first, like, six or seven years of owning a business. And it made, like, it just made everything so much harder. Like, I wasn't able to, like, grow as a person because I was so obsessed with, like, everything being perfect. So it definitely helped me to kind of, like, I I finally heard the phrase at some point, um, good is better than, what is it? Done is better than perfect. perfect. Yeah. That was, like, a game changer for me. And I was like, oh. And I still struggle with it today. But, like, I have improved, like, so so much when it comes to that and I think a lot of people don't realize that like because they see you know with like you said social media like things are so curated and stuff and everyone thinks that everyone else is out there just like knowing exactly what they're doing but I think that no one ever fully knows like you're just constantly like learning and like improving upon yourself and trying to be the best version of yourself but not perfect yes exactly yeah and you know I mean the whole the you know kind of expanding on what you were talking about about sort of knowing things and continuing and not ever feeling like you're at the top, I think that often I'll get this question from people because we don't take insurance at our practice. We are fee for service and we do have a sliding scale, but I don't take the sliding scale anymore, but we're fee for service. So people will sometimes say, well, why should I come to a private practice instead of like use my insurance? And the answer is basically what I was saying earlier is that because if somebody's in private practice, first of all, they probably have the money. To, or not taking insurance. They probably have the money. They're probably earning enough that they can afford to go and get training. They have the flexibility in their schedule that if they see a training that they're interested in, they can just schedule themselves out that week. And they you know, have the time because if somebody takes insurance, and it, I have no problem going to see somebody who takes insurance, by the way, but it's just the difference. It's what, it, it, what's, it's what differentiates um, fee-for-service versus insurance. If somebody is taking insurance, then they're going to have to work a lot of hours in order mm-hmm. to make enough money to support themselves. And when you do fee for service and you get, you know, develop your craft and you, you know, you're at the top of the, of the, you know, let's just call it the sliding scale, then you, I, I only work like 20 hours a week, and it's like the awesomest. 
Yeah, yeah. Or I have time to do other things that I'm interested in. I have time to learn, you know, to go to yoga teacher training. I have time to form meetups because I'm not like, I'm not stressed. I'm not just like spending all of my energy on earning a, earning a, a living. Yeah. Uh, my first ever job, like my first ever big girl job, I should say, was when I was a freshman in college, I got an internship working for uh, a, a therapist uh, in the Winter Garden area. And at the time I, I wanted to be a therapist and that's what I was in school for. And I promise you my entire job was just processing like insurance stuff. That was like, all I did. Like I literally came in, it was, and it was flexible. I worked there and I worked for the YMCA and it was school full time. So I came in for five hours a day and I just in like process insurance stuff for five hours and then left. It was crazy. And that's honestly what turned me off. I was like, I don't know if I can do this job because I realized like he used to do that and like he used to do what I was doing and like counsel people. And right. so he finally could afford to hire somebody. He hired me to take over that part. And I was like, I, I don't think I can do both of these things. No, no. And you know, that's interesting that you're saying that because that's the other thing I think one of the problems um, in this in this field is one that you know when you take insurance, it's hard to you know make enough money. Um, if you work for somebody else, and they'll make you work uh, way more than is really reasonable because therapy is really intense work. You have to be completely dialed in and completely focused and trying and tuning into the emotions, the energy in the room. Like you're kind of like aware of everything. And I realized at the end of my days. I'm just like kind of drained. Yeah. yeah. I just want to go home and like watch a, you know, crappy TV show and turn my brain off. Um, but it, it takes, it takes a lot of energy. So when I think about somebody who is taking insurance, I think about exactly what you're saying. They have all that work that they have to do. But then the other thing is we can afford in, in the way that we operate our practice to have an assistant who just answers the phone and manages social media. Right, so then we're always getting the client when they're in need because so often one of the biggest complaints about therapists is is that you call their office and they they don't get back to you. It takes them a day or two, which makes complete sense to me because if you're seeing clients back to back, like yesterday I saw nine people, um, I don't have any time to even check my text messages, let alone anything else. So having somebody who answers our phones and returns calls and you know, does email and all of that is, is huge. And right now she's obviously not coming to the office. So she's doing that from home. So, which is wonderful. But anyway, I'm glad not to take insurance. I think that's, <laughs> we've all learned. <laughs> so what are some of the biggest challenges you face, especially right now, since the world is changing so much as an entrepreneur and how have you pivoted and how are you dealing with some of the things that you have to deal with? Yeah, so that's a really, really good question. So I'm just going to maybe, I'm just going to right now stay focused on right now because it's really been one of the, I, I feel like it's the most challenging time I've ever experienced because, so so we have this big rent that we have to pay every month and we have, we have therapists, my business partner, Amy Smith, we have therapists who work in our practice, but they're independent contractors, they're not our employees, they're not 1099. Um, they basically, we call ourselves a marketing company um, and so for the fee that we charge, they get the space, um, and then they, you know, we market and they get referrals from us. So a lot of them, we have a, a big percentage of our therapists who see children, 
children and teenagers, they do play therapy. And guess what? That's not something that's really easy to do remotely. Mm -hmm. However, we still have to pay our rent. And so we still are depending on them. So it's this, it's this really difficult, you know, situation where people who work for you are, or work with you are reaching out and they're like, well, you know, I'm not really making it very much money. And, and so we're like contacting our landlord, like, Hey, can you give us some kind of a break? They're not getting back to us. And it's just this, this tug on, yes, I have to pay my rent. No, I don't want to dig into my savings. Yes. I guess I do need you to pay your rent, even if you're not making money because I, it's, it's really feels, it doesn't feel great. It really doesn't feel great. I've been lucky where that I, I'm not having any change in my you know, amount of clients coming in. I'm doing this. I'm, I sent out a letter to all my clients pretty much the day that this happened. And I laid out the things that I was doing um, to basically keep them safe. So we have a big office, um, but there's a lobby, but then I happen to have a private door into my office. So basically, I'm letting people know, like, if you would like to come in, I'm still going to be here because we're an essential service, so we're allowed to go to work. You're sitting off, you're sitting six feet away from me. I have stuff to spray down the couches in between, and I would I would tell you about half the people are still coming in, and then the other half are doing um, something between, you know, either Zoom or um, or Skype or um, or FaceTime, and it's been really tricky, right? Having to learn these different uh, modalities of, of, of connecting with people, mm -hmm. you know, having to like look at yourself in the camera when you're, yeah. yourself when you're talking. Yeah. Like, a little, but I also like it because it's almost like you're closer to the person because you're like right there, their face is there and your face is there. So you can actually see the nuances of the expression even a little bit easier on the camera. Because as therapists, we're always like watching, like for that, like that little catch in the voice, or right. that little like tear that starts to show up, and like, hey, let's talk about that. What just happened? So you can you can do all that with um, these audio uh, or the audio and video type formats. I don't really love doing anything on the phone though, because it's hard to to really see where the other person um, is at emotionally. So, um, so that's been, so, so all of that's been, been tricky. So like yesterday, right. We have seven offices or six offices. I was the only one there. It was like a ghost town. It was so weird. Um, so it, that's, that's, that's been tricky. So hopefully our landlord will be good to us and hopefully, you know, I applied for these grants and something like that will come through. But in the meantime, it's sort of just like sit and wait. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, like, it's a huge time of uncertainty. It is. Yeah. It is. You know, and so I, I actually started a Facebook, a private Facebook group, um, right, like I think I started on the 17th of March. Um, and I invited, I invited people I know, I invited other professionals, and the purpose of the group, I called it, um, I called it Let's Practice Together, and meaning, like, let's talk about practices that we do in our life that help keep us, you know, in a, in a positive hopeful mindset because it's so easy in a time like this to get so caught up in what's going on in the news and what's the latest update and lose con connection with 
hey, we're all people and we can be here to support each other and share what's good that's happening, not what's bad that's happening. And so, you know, I purposely invited people who were had that type of a mindset. And it's beautiful to be able to see the things that people post every day. And I put up like a like a prompt every day about, you know, what like what was what what you've been watching or today I said post your dog a picture of your dog because our dogs give us unconditional love and you know help us when we're lonely so in those kind of things but in the end it all comes back to this belief that I have that it's so important to stay connected to others and that loneliness is this huge epidemic in our society mm-hmm. and it's really I mean the research on loneliness is that it has all these other, uh, you know, physical uh, things. Like there's a higher risk of cardiovascular disease, a, a higher risk of alcohol and drug abuse, a higher risk of depression, a higher risk of suicide. You know, all these things when somebody's lonely, meaning not alone, because many people are alone and not lonely, but lonely meaning not connected, not having any sort of... Um, human interaction that is enriching mm-hmm. is the way that I would the way that I would say it and you know we crave human contact yeah definitely I mean so speaking of practices that are getting you through tough times you are a yoga teacher now which is super awesome um, so you became a yoga teacher at 58 and you run a meetup group for yoga like you have a lot of yoga going on in your life which I love so what advice do you have following your dreams like basically at any age because you know I don't know when you how like how old were you when you decided I was 39 39 when I went to graduate school so yes it's sort of yeah I keep I think like I'm continuing to reinvent myself and adding new skills to like move me towards my ultimate direction I I don't really so much set goals it's sort of I go with my intuition Mm -hmm. people ask me why did I why did I go to yoga teacher training I'm like I don't know it just felt like what I was supposed to do. I love yoga. I'm passionate about yoga. I think that there's probably a um, not enough people in my age group who are teaching yoga. You know, people who, you know, I'm not perfect. I don't have a perfect body. I don't have any of that stuff. And so I think trying to draw more people in to yoga is what it ended up being. But when I went in, I don't know. I just wanted to learn more. I love to learn. <laughs> And, um, and so now that I started, when I was in yoga teacher training, I realized I learned so much about the eight limb path of yoga and how yoga really is, it's not just a physical exercise, which I guess I sort of knew before that, but now I know that it's, it has all these other amazing benefits. I actually feel like yoga is the cure to everything. And um, so being able to share that and so starting the meetup group for yoga was just a way I don't want to work for somebody again I don't want to go work at a studio and have somebody tell me when I need to come teach yoga so I was like well how do I get around that I have to find a spot that will let me use it um, and let me just pay by the hour because I'm not going to invest a big bunch of money in something and so I just made that happen yeah I definitely Think about, that's like my other life career I've talked about in the podcast plenty of times. It's just going and becoming a yoga teacher and getting my RYT 200 just because of the flexibility and finding a space that you can only use for it. Like there's so many places here in Orlando locally that will let you teach for an hour. And that is amazing. And that's like, 
you know. I didn't realize that. That's so cool. Yeah. So, yeah, um, so I, I do it at, actually, I, I actually tried to get a space going and get, I, I'm very big on helping people. When I realized when I started my practice, one of the things that I was passionate about when I started my mental health practice was helping people get into business. Mm-hmm. Because getting into business may seem really complicated, but I have, I have this brain that kind of like breaks things down really, you know, into like really sequential steps. And I can kind of like see how to, how to get things going once I decide to do it. So with the yoga teacher training, it's, it was sort of a similar thing. After I finished yoga teacher training, I met all these amazing people and I was like, well, what are you guys going to do? And they're like, I don't know. I said, well, what about if I find a place that will rent by the hour and we can, you know, I can help us market everything and we can start doing it that way. So that's how it started out. That whole thing didn't work out exactly the way I would have wanted it to, but because I'm not a perfectionist, I just kept moving forward. Mm-hmm. So I found somebody um, here at College Park. She has a, a, a space. It's called Park Life Studio. Mm-hmm. But basically, it's a, it's a converted garage in her backyard. And like you said, she rents it out by the hour. And so I use my different, I created a meetup, got yoga too, but then I'm in. Um, I started this other meetup called College Park Social Fund Single Boomers. Way too many words, but anyway. <laughs> um, I started that, and so I, I, I post my yoga stuff in in that meetup and my other meetup, and then I draw sort of a broad range of people. So I get, you know, the old people like me, and then I get younger people who are, um, who are interested in, you know, finding yoga that's close to home. Yeah. And College Park is so walkable, so I feel like that's the perfect space for new people to come out and try something new. Absolutely. I love College Park. So when, how long did you, have you been practicing yoga? Because we talked about it a little bit, but I'm, I'm interested in talking about yoga. I'm like, yes, she's yeah. a mental health right. practitioner, but let's talk about yoga. When did you yeah. start practicing and how did you fall in love with it? That's a great question. So I think that I was, I, I kind of vaguely remember going on a vacation with my sister-in-law and my family probably 20 years ago. And, you know, one of the things offered at this resort was um, yoga. So I remember going to yoga with her and thinking, I like this yoga, but then never really did much with that after that. I, I was a runner. I was, a, I ran marathons um, and did, and did all that kind of stuff for years. I had a group of uh, friends and we would travel to different marathons and, you know, I would always think like it would probably be good for me to do yoga, but you know, I had my priorities. Uh, (laughs) So then I got divorced. And when I got divorced, a lot in my life changed very dramatically. So I was part, like my kids went to private Catholic school. So my social group were, you know, other moms Mm -hmm. and people from you know, my kids Catholic school and they were great, but their lives suddenly became very different than mine. Right. And a lot of those women were people that I ran with and, um, and did that kind of stuff with, and they're great, but it started to feel not good to me, um, being around them. And then the other piece was that my ex-husband and I used to run together. And so it was just, it just running all of a sudden just didn't feel good. And so I basically like quit running for cold Turkey. So like 10 years ago, I stopped running and I've really never run again. And I walk, but I just, I just don't run. I just have all these connotations in my brain about, about that. So I decided that, okay, I want to learn this yoga thing. So I went through a little yoga journey. So I first, um, I first tried Bikram because 
I'm like, I, I like, um, I like things that are difficult. Mm -hmm. I it that way. So I thought, well, let me go try this Bikram thing. And I, and I loved it. I did Bikram pretty consistently for about four months until I, my back was dying. So then I was like, okay, so what other kind of yoga is, is there? So then I tried Ashtanga mm -hmm. yoga and I do the yoga shala yeah. and it's great, but it's very, um, that kind of yoga is very like, it's a routine. You go through the, right. the yes. whole practices, mm -hmm. the whole series. A lot of people like that, but it wasn't, it, it didn't fit me. I like variety and change. So then I started going to Orlando power yoga, doing that hot Baron Baptiste yoga. And I was, I was obsessed with that. I did mm -hmm. it for five years. I went several times a week, maybe four or five times a week. I couldn't, I couldn't wait to go. And it was really, I call yoga my church because it's just this place that I go and I just feel good and that my people are at yoga. My people are yoga people. And then I got to a place about, I guess about two or three years ago where the hot yoga just became too much for me. Yeah, I don't know if it's an age thing or if it's just a thing that all the energy that it was taking was actually draining me. So then I would leave and I would need a nap. <laughs> so then I was like, well, I got to find something different. So I found um, Project 7 Yoga here in College or mm -hmm. in Virginia. And it was just like the perfect yoga home for me. They had some a little bit of hot yoga. They had a little bit of um, you know, just regular yoga. They have a class, a class that's called flow and stretch. And I just love it. It's, it's kind of difficult, but not too difficult. You leave there feeling just completely like dialed in, like connected to yourself, connected to your body. And so it was at project seven that I started thinking, you know what, maybe, maybe I want to do this yoga teacher thing. So that's where I did my yoga teacher training. So, and I still go there, um, but also in yoga teacher training, you learn about self-practice. Mm -hmm. And so as a yoga teacher, really, you're supposed to be doing your own self-practice every day. Even if you're going to teach, you still should be doing your own self-practice. And so a self-practice does not have to be a, you know, whole hour-long yoga. And self-practice also includes breath. So doing uh, breath meditations and you know, different things like that and then moving into your practice so on some days all I can do is the breath part and that's fine right other days I can do like a little bit of strength practices other days I can get down on the floor and do a yin kind of thing and so again it's that intuitive like tuning into my body and saying well what do I need today and, and something like running that isn't that flexible it doesn't address all the things that yoga addresses and it's just that I feel so in tune with myself with yoga yeah I love that yeah I love that um, I just looked at their teacher training because I'm of course always in the back of my mind and their training is very similar to another teacher but it's more cost effective <laughs> and that it's just thorough that it's thorough and that was the hardest thing about teacher training because there are a couple other studios that do offer at a more cost effective range but they're not as thorough and I really like being able to go into all types of yoga, all types of practice. So I really like that their curriculum yeah, course yeah. overview goes into um, all the things that I would be interested in doing once, you know, we're allowed back outside. <laughs> You're allowed back outside, right, exactly. But you know, I mean, here's the thing with yoga. Right now there's so many teachers who are offering their, their uh, classes online and a lot of them for free. So mm -hmm. can go on YouTube and- Oh yeah. Me. Now there's like people who you know, right? If you're going to, if you're used to going to a particular studio, there's people that you know who are doing a class 
online and you can still be connecting with your community. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really an awesome thing that's happening right now too. I also love that it like they encourage you like to do practice alone like every day in addition to like practice when you're teaching which Angelica I already know that you already do that every day like you do like crazy stuff like you'll be like upside down and all these questions I've never heard of I'm over here just like downward dog and like has a baby and calling it a day I'm like look at me I'm so proud and then like she'll like when she does like yoga challenges and stuff and she doesn't share it a lot because she's not super social on social media but when she does share it on social media I'm always just like I don't even understand what that is like I don't I don't it's crazy (laughs) yeah yeah and you know the other thing about yoga that I that I love which I think makes a difference when I I was I've I've thought a lot about like why did I have such a quick affinity for yoga and I also think that it just it was easy for me from the beginning if if that makes sense because Mm -hmm. of my my body type it was like I've, I've got longer limbs and I'm pretty flexible so I right away like felt oh I can do this this is this is something I can do. There wasn't a huge learning curve. And so then after that, the thing about yoga that I've really learned about myself is I really didn't even understand what yoga was at the beginning. I thought it was just exercise. Mm-hmm. Right? The place I go and I do a kind of exercise that I like that raises my heart rate and stretches my stretches my body. I didn't really fully understand till probably within the, you know, the last couple of years that now yoga is really mind, body, spirit, yes. everything. It's not just this one thing. Mm-hmm. And I kind of felt like, wow, how did I miss all that? How did I miss that it was all these other things, all these years, which so, says so much about what you're attuned to at, at, in one moment of your life versus another, you know, so sometimes you may know, you know, you may be doing something and have no concept of all the other aspects of it that are available so i just like to keep like staying open and learning yes yeah Yeah, and i i that's the part of it that i like that part of yoga number one because i feel like i can't do a lot of the more complicated uh you know positions but also because i have like really high anxiety so the like the meditative part of it really helps me the breathing like i've learned so much about breathing by just doing like very 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 basic like yoga videos like have taught me so much about breathing and being able to calm myself down and since like I feel like I've never moved out of that like basic practice but it's literally helped me to be able to no longer have anxiety attacks wow so that's to me like I used to have them all the time in my early 20s I mean like they were like just debilitating like I'd have to like pull over on the side of the road if I was driving like like it would, you know, it would just mess with like my whole like life schedule because if I was having an anxiety attack, like I couldn't do anything else for like an hour or two. And like, I haven't had one in years just because of like the breathing I learned through yoga. Okay. So let's just amplify that and like put a bunch of big exclamation points around it because the breath, the, the understanding breath is something that we need so mm-hmm. much in our society. We're so go, go, go. So achieve, 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 which disconnects us from our authentic selves and really being able to stop, breathe, connect to your authentic self, connecting to your center, connecting to your core. It allows you to not allow, like you said, anxiety, not allow your amygdala, that part of your brain that puts you in fight, flight, or freeze to take over. You notice yourself starting to like ramp up. It's like, okay, I can just, you have a tool. To, to slow down 
and just breathe. So I think that that's, I think that's really important, you know, because our feelings, our feelings are transient, right? But what you, what I feel about something in this moment may be completely different than what I feel about it in the next moment. And if I over identify with what I'm feeling, that also increases anxiety. So, you know, really, and so the breath just keeps bringing you back to, to yourself. Um, it really makes a big difference. And, you know, I think another thing that is really important that people often don't really realize is the importance of having a daily practice, a way that you set up your day every day that you do, you know, consistently to sort of decide, okay, so today, how do I want to feel? And if I want to feel this way, what do I need to do? What are the actions I need to take? You know, what do I need to read? What do I need to, what mantra do I need to say to myself? Um, so I, I really have gotten good at this. Now, for years, I said I needed to do it, and I didn't. But I really feel good about the fact that I've been really consistent about that um, over the last, say, I don't know, like probably since October or November. Because the thing about being a therapist is, right, you, you know all the right things to do. doesn't always mean that you do them. Mm. So I'm trying really hard to like walk my talk very consistently in my life right now, or, or hopefully for the rest of my life. Yeah, that is so true. Sometimes you know all the answers, but it's hard to get that follow through going. Yeah. Um, so we talked a lot about community and you run a couple of popular meetup groups and you just, you're very much known for like bringing people together in the community. So why is community important to you? And what advice do you have for others who are also trying to build community? So um, community is important to me because of, I think, because of my own personal experience and then what I hear from clients. So again, I talked earlier about like getting divorced. I, was, I got divorced after 27 years of marriage, so I was already almost 50. I was 49 when I got divorced. And you know, then you move into this, this period of your life where everything that you thought was is not. And you have to sort of make it up as you go along, like figure out who I am. And, and that can be a very lonely process. So being able to find other people who are in a similar situation, who have experienced a different, a, a, a different or a similar kind of experience kind of creates that sense of I'm not alone. Here are these other people. They get me. I get them. We can share. And then that, that, idea of loneliness that I was talking about earlier and how that is such an epidemic. So when I decided to do this meetup that I just started it, uh, the one in College Park, the College Park Social Single Fund Boomers. It's an interesting story how it got started. I went, I was on the Nextdoor app and I saw that a woman had posted, you know, we need to get together people who are in their 50s who live in College Park to do fun things. And I was like, yes, I'm gonna figure out how to do that. <laughs> and so I, I, like, I, I did it that day. I like figured out Meetup and I, I didn't know this woman who had posted it. I, I messaged her back because I tend to like be, I tend to move too fast. So then I was like, well, I don't wanna step on anybody's toes. So I messaged her back and I was like, would it be okay if I do this? And she's like, yes, so I set it up we posted it back on Nextdoor, and long story short, this was in, I think it was in September, maybe August, and we now have like over 200 people, and we have probably 
like 50 who are who regularly regularly participate and almost every person who comes to the comes to this group it says almost the very same thing i was sitting in my house i was all alone i i i saw my kids and i didn't really have that many friends life just felt terrible and then they're they come to this group and they meet other people who are like-minded my friend I, the woman who posted that is now one of my best friends, Michelle. Um, we walk together every morning. Uh, we get together and eat and eat dinner together a lot. And so it just really enriches everybody's life. It's a beautiful thing to have a group of people, a community who kind of see you, who get you, who can be a witness to your life and you can be a witness to their life because when you're married or in a long-term relationship you have these people who see you daily and 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 walk with you through the changes and and you know the different evolutions of yourself but when you're single and older it's hard to have that right you you're it, you have to make such an effort to get out and be with people. So I really try to make it easy. And I think the other reason that I did it was because I think fun is like my favorite thing. I love <laughs> to have fun. <laughs> and I realized about myself when I tried to go, I went to Italy by myself about, uh, I guess about three years ago. And I realized about myself, like I don't like to travel by myself. I don't, I, I don't mind. I can sit in my house and do things all day long, but if I'm gonna go to a restaurant or go to a show, or you know just go exploring i want to do it with somebody else so we can share that experience i love everything that you just said like i'm so because i have i try to get people to understand about phases in life and i think that's something that a lot of my friends are most of my friends are way older than me by 10 20 years um and so people who are my age who are younger i try to explain to them about life experience i think it's important a for people to have friends who are older just because perspective and yes. you have kids now, or you, you're busy now, you have your husband and everything, but eventually at some point you won't have those easy social places to lean on. And it's important yeah. that you know how to go out and find other people because again, you get to a point in your life where it's not just moms you're hanging out with or you may be divorced or your, your partner may pass away or any oh. of those things that can happen to you at any moment. And it's important for you to be able to find your people. Um, so that's pretty much like one of my biggest messages to my friends right now, because it's so easy and I get it. We all have like, a lot of us have younger kids, so it's easy to get caught up in the, the play dates and like the school stuff and the, the PTA and all of that stuff. But eventually you need to be able to A, be comfortable with yourself as a person and B, be able to find those people without relying on the social norms of the normal life that you have right now. So yeah, because normal life is no fun. Exactly. <laughs> not exciting I like my life to be exciting and yes every day and you know oh, what am I going to do today I mean I know I know I only work I work on Tuesday or Monday afternoon all day Tuesday and Thursday morning so I like today I wake up and I'm like okay well I have this schedule I have my own therapist at three on we have a, a meeting online but other than that I get to create my whole day mm -hmm. that is so awesome oh my goodness it's amazing like it's so awesome like I well what am I gonna do today like who am I gonna see what other thing am I gonna invent because now I'm in this mode of so there's all these people I've created these connections with so now I still feel I feel kind of responsible <laughs> for keeping them connected so I'm um I'm trying to organize a uh Cards Against Humanity oh uh, fine with a bunch of my friends on uh 
on Thursday night and you know, so those kind of things I've done, I've done the zoom happy hour thing, but I, I, I think playing games when I do, that's one of the things we do for my, my, uh, meetup is I do game nights and things like that. So I love to laugh, right? So getting a bunch of people together, whether it's in the same room or over a computer and you're looking at each other and laughing, you know, laughing so hard that you can pee. Um, <laughs> That's my best. That's my favorite thing. Oh, right. I love this so much. I kind of live to do that, right? I, I earn money so that I can just like have fun and laugh. That's like the best life motto. <laughs> like you, you got to figure it out. I kind of do love my life. So what are three steps that everyone should take for better mental health that they can do on their own right now? Because I think we're just in a space where everybody's mental health is up and down. It's just, uh, nobody knows what's happening. So what are some things that people could do possibly right now for themselves? Yeah. Well, you know, so the very first thing that I think that we all need to do is actually understand our brain. And I don't mean understand our individual brain. I mean, understand this brain that we have been given, uh, that, that came from, that has this prehistoric part of it, the amygdala that is telling us, Oh my God, run away, get out of there. But not about things that we really need to run away from. Um, you were talking earlier, you guys were talking earlier about anxiety and that signal in your body that says, this is not okay. But learning to breathe and understanding that that's just your body's alarm and that you can just breathe into that and calm down and then refocus and then get back into that higher processing part of your brain, back into your cerebral cortex and use reason. So many people don't understand that. I didn't understand that. Brain science has become more and more understood. And so I really think understanding the brain and understanding that what's what you're feeling isn't who you are, what you're feeling isn't something you have to identify it with, what you're feeling can just, you know, pass through. And I guess the best way to, to really understand the brain is meditation. So that would be number one, right? Understanding the brain and meditation is the avenue to understanding the brain. I also recommend the book, The Buddha, uh, Buddhist Brain. Mm. It's written by a psychologist, um, Rick something. And he kind of walks through this brain science stuff and why meditation is so important. And the idea, he has this concept of first, first dart, second dart. So like the first dart, would be somebody says something unkind to me. The second dart would be what I do with that. So I could take that and like be angry at the person. I could take that and believe that's the truth about myself. Or I can like look at that and go, okay, and then move forward. And then I don't have that second dart. And so those kind of practices, I think you learn through meditation because you really learn in meditation that what you're what you're thinking what you're feeling is just there for that moment and you can either attach to it or not it's totally a choice so number one meditation number two um having a daily practice having a set of practices that you do every day to set up your day and so do you want me to share like what i do mm -hmm. sure okay so my daily practices it probably, I need to get up like an hour before I need to get in the shower. Not, not, not an hour before I need to get anywhere, but like an hour before I get in the shower in order to do these. And so sometimes it's like, what? You're going to get up at like 5.30 in the morning? I'm like, yeah, because it's worth it. Because it allows me to accomplish more. It allows me to be more present. So the things that I do are 
first of all, I have a, I have the same cup of tea that I make every morning. So I come downstairs, I drink my water, I make my tea, and then I either go back upstairs to my bedroom or I go outside, depending on the weather, and I have a little stack of things. I have my planner, and my planner runs me through what I'm grateful for. It runs me through... Um, it, it's, it's got all these prompts that I love, um, what I'm grateful for, what's the most important task I have to do today, what are the wellness activities I'm going to do today, how am I going to create fun and adventure today, and just any little notes. And, and doing that every morning kind of like really tunes me in. It allows me to look and then look at like what are all the things I'm trying to get done today. And I just feel a sense of like control over my day instead of the day just hitting me. So I do that. And then I, I read um, I read from meditations on uh, meditations from the mat which is a it's called the daily reflections on the path of yoga I'm on my I think I'm on my third time through it it's a 365 day kind of situation and it goes through all eight limbs of um, the yoga path and it talks about you know each one there's a reading and a quote and I, I I'm kind of obsessed with that book I recommend it to everybody and then I um, I do, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, um, is the way, is the way that I would define it. And I found the centers for spiritual living, um, um, about, I don't know, maybe a year or two ago mm -hmm. and they are part of what's called science of the mind. And so I have a, I get a, a magazine every month and it has a daily reading in there that's kind of connected with that mindset of you know, there is no religion. It's all, it's all about, you know, being a good person and being connected to others. And like, again, so reading these things every single day that remind me of this is how I want to show up in my life. So I do all that. And then also because I'm super into this whole manifestation thing, I have this little box. Do you guys know who um, Gabrielle Bernstein is? No, but I will oh, look her up now. Look her up. The author? One of her books is called, yeah, yeah. Um, one of her books is called The Universe Has Your Back. Another one's called Miracles Now. And so in her Miracles Now, do you guys know A Course in Miracles? Um, no, no. So all her stuff is based on the Course in Miracles. Marianne Williamson is like. I've seen her books in the Dr. Phillips uh, Barnes & Noble in like the self-help life. Yeah. Then, yeah, when I'm hanging out in there, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I was um, I was reading her Miracles Now book. I mean, I don't even know how many years ago. And there, I read a lot of books and I listen to a lot of books, basically because I want help for myself, but also to be able to have more tools to help people. I love to recommend books, and I love I recommend so many podcasts. Podcasting once that when that started, I like I became like, oh my gosh, this is such a good tool that people can have, but anyway, I'm, I, I'll get back to the practices. So one of the things that I learned in reading that book was about doing this particular set of phrases, and so I do it every single morning, and I write it down, and then I have a little box that I put it in. It's like my container for all of my desires. So it, the, the statement is, and I, I share this because I, I think that if everybody did something like this, it would really make a difference in, my, in their life. So it's thank you universe for guiding this desire to, and then I write whatever my desire, and I don't ever think about it or plan it in advance. It's like whatever comes to my head in that moment is what I write down, and then I surrender this to you, and I trust your plan is much better than mine. So I take that, I write it, I put it in the little box, 
and I leave it, let go of it. I mean, I don't even go back and look at what are the things that I've written before, but I sure do notice that when I do that, it kind of just puts you in that mindset of this is going to happen. This is going to, this is going to, you know, go. So understanding your brain. Oh, and all, of course, a daily yoga practice of some sort. Um, so understanding your brain, doing some kind of a daily practice that it, that, that affects like physical, mental, and spiritual. And then honestly, making time for fun, making sure that every day, either there is a plan for something fun, or if it's a day like yesterday where I'm working, um, you know, 12 hours basically, then knowing that I have fun planned the next day. I just, I can't be bothered being obsessed with like tasks. And so I'm a big person to outsource things, right? I have somebody who, people who do the things that I would be kind of annoyed doing, like, you know, basic stuff like cleaning your house, but then, but then other things like making, I have a friend who makes soup for me every week and, mm. and you know, so that I can eat healthy, but I don't have to go to the grocery store and, and buy food and cook it. Right. <laughs> so yeah, so those things, understanding your brain, having a set of daily practices and making time for fun. Those are, those are the things that I think are really important to having good mental health. I love that. And I feel like we talk about like self-care a lot in just like in the world in general, but like we don't really put a huge emphasis on fun. Yes. No one ever talks about that. Yes. Yeah. You know, when I work with couples, that's about half my practice is working with couples. And, you know, a lot of people will come in, uh, you know, at different stages of, of, of their life and they've fallen into like a rut, mm-hmm. right? Same things. They go on the same dates, right? They go, sometimes they, well, high percentage who show up in my office don't go on dates, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> but, but, you know, they're, they're doing the same thing. They're in a rut. Like, well, what do you guys do together? Well, we go to dinner and we go to a movie and we kind of stare at each other and we don't have anything to talk about. I'm like, well, what, what about doing some, what did you used to love? And connecting people to that because we can really get stale in life if we don't keep things moving. We don't become curious about what else is out there. Right. Definitely. So I want to know what advice you have for people that are looking into entrepreneurship, especially like I think right now we're going to see a lot of new entrepreneurs. I became an entrepreneur during our last big recession. Oh, And my thought process was like, I was in my, like, you know, my junior year and I was like seeing friends that were a few years older and they were graduating and they weren't able to get jobs. Um, And so I was like, okay, like it looks like life is going to be a risk either way. So I may as well go after what I want. And that's what really, you know, made me have, take the jump into entrepreneurship. So I have a feeling that a lot of people are going to try their hands at being an entrepreneur with everything that's going on, um, just because it's like, you know, it's, it's scared if you do, scared if you don't type of situation. So what advice do you have for new entrepreneurs who are literally just getting started? Yeah, so I think really the very first thing is actually understanding why do I wanna be in business for myself? Like, what is that about for me? Having, having a real good sense of that. So for instance, if I think about myself and I think I, I, I mentioned this earlier, it's because I want to have control of my life. I don't want any, I want to own my life is, is the way that I say it. I don't want somebody else telling me where I have to be and what I have to do, but that's not always why people want to be an entrepreneur. Sometimes it's because they have a, a specific message or, uh, or, you know, idea that they want to bring to the public, but it doesn't really matter what the reason that you want to 
be an entrepreneur is, but you should off, you should really understand why, because it's going to be a lot of work. Um, and then, you know, having that mindset of this will happen as long as I keep moving forward, as long as I keep, you know, maybe, the, maybe today I don't believe in myself. Maybe today I like look and, you know, get discouraged, but if I keep just moving forward and not attaching to those, to those fear-based thoughts, those ego-based thoughts, then, you know, that the manifestation mindset, like I, I actually honestly think that if you're going to be in business for yourself, you ought to really understand what the law of attraction is mm -hmm. um, because, you know, there, I'm shocked how many people don't know what the law of attraction is and, or misunderstand it. And they think it's just like, I ask, I wish for something and then it just happens. Well, no, it's not magic. What it is, is being able to override self-doubt being able to override other people's doubts about you and just be being able to continue to believe that this thing will happen. It may not be in exactly the package that I thought it was going to be, but it's going to be something in that way as long as you keep moving forward. So then, you know, identifying like, what is your brand? What do you offer? Why do people want or need that brand, that, that particular brand, who your audience is, can they afford it? And then figuring out how to connect with that audience. So for instance, um, you know, as a therapist, how do you connect with that audience? You have to have really, you know, you have to have a really good website. You have to have a message that is consumable for, by people in a way that they understand. So the people that you're trying to uh, reach, you want to write to them. So you everyone isn't our customers so we want our the the, the audience that we're um, getting to to read about us um, in whatever way on a website and really be like oh yeah that's 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 what I want that's what I need um, continuing to keep learning I think connecting with others like so mastermind groups things like that I'm not in one now but I, I certainly have been over the years you guys know what a mastermind group is yes yeah so, you know, because there you're, you have other people who are sort of, they may not be in the same field as you, but they have that entrepreneurial mindset. And so you can kind of energize each other because in, in regular life or in day-to-day -day life, the percentage of people who are entrepreneurs is growing, I believe. I don't have the research on it. But when we're used to, when people are used to just having a job and getting a paycheck, they equate that to security. Whereas I equate being my own boss to security, but there's a lot of people out there who are much more fear-based. And so they will say things that if you, if you, if you attach to fear, you'll start to be like, oh yeah, what about that? What about that? So being around other people who have the same type of mindset and then not being too tied to exactly what you think you want things to be. So being ready to adjust and pivot and do something different if what you're doing isn't working out, not allowing yourself to get bogged down in things and just making sure that there's space for fun. I often meet people who are entrepreneurs and they're not having any fun with their business. They're not enjoying it anymore. It's a, it's a chore instead of, you know, something that brings them joy. So I think that those things are, are all important. So it's, you know, it's like a believing, just really believing in yourself, in what you're bringing to the public, and just continuing to push through self-doubt because self-doubt shows up for all of us. Everybody questions themselves. Everybody says, well, why, why could I do that? What's special about me? You know what? We're all special.
we're all special. Oh, we all have something to share, and we all we all have different paths or avenues that we're that we will use to share those. But you know, just continuing to believe that there is something of value that you have to offer, I think, is really important. Um, you know, I think it was Marianne Williamson has a quote that I really love, and I don't have it off the top of my head, but basically, it's 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 saying like. Who are you not to believe not to believe that you can do everything? Who are you not to share all of your amazing gifts with the world? And and that idea that yes, of course, we're supposed to be being everything that we can be. That's that's what that's what we're set up to do in this life. And if everybody was being everything they could be without being competitive and, you know, trying to undercut people, what a great world it would be because everyone would be happy. Yes. I love the we are all special message to like end on. I'm like, that's so fuzzy. And I just, let's be done. Let's be done. We're all special. That's all I want to hear. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Cindy, for coming on and like really inspiring us because I feel like our interviews since yeah, we did this, I feel like I just yes. had a therapy session, honestly. Like, I feel like. Definitely just like I can feel that there's just like less tension in my body from when we started. Like, <laughs> and that's great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh huh. Okay. I had a great time and I really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to me. It was wonderful. No, thank you.